Well, you look fantastic. Welcome to those of you connected in a variety of places outside of this room. Faith forecast for 2021. How do you know? How do you know what God's going to do in our midst? The book of Exodus is... It chronicles what God does in the lives of his people. And God just keeps doing these things in the lives of his people again and again and again and again. So we can anticipate what we learn out of the word of God through the book of Exodus. Be ready. We're going to have these kind of experiences. All right. Question to begin. You're going to see four movie playbills pop up. Take a guess, just in your mind, what the Google search was to find these. What was the Google search? And then these were the movies that popped up. You see The Great Escape, uh, based on a 1943 real-life factual event where the Germans put uh, all the escape artists, uh, allied soldiers, into one prison camp, a Stalag Luft three, and kept an eye on them, but 76 of them got out. Uh, Oh, brother, where art thou? Uh, a group of uh, individuals bust off the chain gang. They go on an, uh, a long, arduous journey. They find a treasure, but it's not actually the treasure they're seeking. And a couple of them get baptized along the way. Pretty cool stuff. Or Chicken Run. Uh, I, I, I do remember seeing this, and I vaguely recall, oh, that was all right, basically, uh, but I couldn't remember what it was about. I had to, uh, they, they did not want to get turned into chicken pot pies. So that is why the chickens are on the run. The Shawshank Redemption uh, story of Andy Dufresne, who was, uh, who was an innocent individual, wrongfully convicted of a crime. He has this ingenious escape that was decades in the making. Do you, can you guess what the Google search was that brought, boop, these, these all popped up. It was escape movies. And, and we're doing that because we're talking today about God being your deliverer. That God is the deliverer. It is part of all of our stories that we uh, can resonate with escape. That we are to get out of bondage that God desires to deliver us. Exodus chapter 5. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Let my people go. I want you to know that if there's any way that you feel oppressed or in bondage, your God is speaking, let my child go. Your God is doing that for you right now and in this moment. Let's talk about the deliverer for a little bit. Now we're gonna unpackage these. This is kind of a spoiler alert. If you like taking notes, well, the, the, these are the notes. Here's what the deliverer is going to do for you. There, there's a pathway out. Take it, take the path out. Take the path. Uh, we, we are unique individuals, but the word of God says that there is no temptation which has seized us, which is not common to other individuals. The temptations which take a hold of us are, are common to other people as well. And God always supplies a way out. Take the out. Bold crossings. Just to say you were made for bold crossings. It's something that God does. God gets you across things that are difficult to get across. You were made for this. And know that there is a song of celebration that Deliver brings to our heart. And for you to think about the ways in which God has already worked in your life and brought you out of some things that you were so happy to be out of that you ought to have a song of celebration in your heart. The 18th Psalm says this, I love you, O Lord, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. 
deliver. The Hebrew word for that is yasha. It's used 73 times in the Old Testament. God, my God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my salvation, my stronghold. I call on the name of the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I'm saved from my enemies. So today, in this moment, so right now, wherever you are at, what is it that God wants to deliver you from? What is it? The Holy Spirit's speaking it to you. The Holy Spirit is already beginning to whisper it. The Holy Spirit will begin to speak it even more profoundly into your heart and mind. Pay attention. What does God desire to deliver you from? Now, it might be one of these kind of scenarios. Child of God, it might be some kind of besetting stronghold struggle that the enemy still has in your life, and God wants to deliver you from that. It might be... It might be some itty-bitty little thing. You might be working on some stinking small kind of attitude, but it keeps tripping you up. Don't be surprised if God says, quit, quit feeling sorry for yourself all the time. You need to get through that. Some, some small kind of thing. Or maybe it's sin with a capital S, capital I, capital N. It's, it's God wants to that you have never crossed the line of faith. You have never said, God, forgive me. I want to follow you. That is how you get out of the bondage of sin, out of the enemy's camp, and become a child of God. So God could be speaking deliverance to you in any one of those scenarios. Pay attention to what God is speaking. In fact, how about we just declare this right now as we open ourselves up, as we understand, can we all give a God is my deliverer? Ready? Here we go. God is my deliverer. Amen. We're going to just continue to do that. And as God is our deliverer, God uses, it was Moses and Aaron talking to Pharaoh. Miriam is significant. God uses Miriam's and Aaron's and Moses as deliverers with a little d. Some of you God is going to profoundly speak. Not only do I want to deliver you out of something, but the Spirit of God is going to impress upon your heart that you are meant to help other people get out of some junk. That God has raised you up, that God has set you apart for such a time as this, that you are intended to go be the voice to say, hey, God is a deliverer, here's a path out, there's a bold crossing, let's sing a song of celebration, that you're to be the guide along the way for other people. Be ready for God to speak that to you. Well, Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him? and let Israel go. I do not know the Lord. So we've been in this study for a while, and we've noticed that knowing God is one of the central themes that runs throughout. And it's up to Pharaoh to decide, well, you can know God. God's trying to make himself known to you, but uh, who's the Lord? I don't know. And he says, I will not let Israel go. Pharaoh, they're going to go. They're going to go, so you're not going to be able to stop it, and you can know God, but you pull back. It's, it's like a, there is an oppressor in the deliverance story. There's always a person, there's always a system that the enemy is at play in the world, and there's some chump. You know, there's just, you know, Pharaoh's the chump in this story. There's a chump oppressor, and the chump oppressor is like a god, because Pharaoh was the main god of the Egyptians. We can unpackage all the other gods, but Pharaoh's the main god. And he is 
moaning and groaning because the people are numerous and this is why he has enslaved them because he wants to put them in their place. There's overseers over them and it was advantageous to Pharaoh that they would be in bondage. He has misused being entrusted with these people. He's been given this group of people to steward and he's totally misused it. It's a, it's a chump move on his part. Uh, now he says this, uh, you're no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go find their own straw, but require them to make the same amount of bricks. The quota still stays the same. They're lazy. That's why they're yammering about going off and worshiping their God. Well, not only is there a chump oppressor who has this kind of godlike status, this system, but the oppressor, as soon as you start thinking that things are going to get better, the oppressor is going to make it worse. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when the, the oppressive gets a little bit worse. Bricks without straw, it's, this is like the rebar in a construction project. If you can, you can make bricks without straw, but give it two days to two weeks, they're going to get all crumbly. You can even go on one of these trips over to Israel and Egypt, and you can pay money to be on an archaeological tour dig, and for two days, they'll let you make bricks over there. And they'll make you make bricks with straw, and they'll let you make bricks without straw, and you pay money for that. And in two days, a group of people can turn out 2,000 bricks. But it's a, it's a fool's errand to make bricks without straw because they're not going to last. You're just going to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. Have you ever... Have you ever felt so beaten down? You're just on this ridiculous kind of cycle that feels fruitless and worthless, and here we go again. And basically, you're in what it means to be in bondage, that things have just gotten worse. You're like a bricks without straw kind of scenario. And there you go again and again and again. It's, 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 it's what happens in bondage and in oppressive situations. Well, not only is Pharaoh a chump in, in all this, but we have in our lives these chump-like oppressive situations. Now, we're going to play a little game right now. We're going to play, let's play Guess the Startling Statistic. Does that sound like a fun game to play? You came to church going, no, let's, let's really connect with the Lord God Almighty, and I hope they play, let's, let's guess the startling statistic. Addiction bondage issues. Uh, I picked three out. These are 2019 statistics from the United States of America. The number does not match what uh, the, whether it says uh, gambling or eating disorder or alcoholism, it doesn't match the one across. So you got to guess where does the 10 go? Where does the 30 go? Where does the, there's one that says 15 and 65. I'll explain why it's 15 and 65 a little bit later. But so hopefully your mind is processed. Think where they go and we'll give you the answer right now. We'll arrow these up and you see, oh, okay. Well, gambling addiction numbers 10 million and eating disorders number 30 million of 328 million people in the United States. And then why the 15 for alcoholism would be, well, that's how many people in 2019 would say year in, year out go, I, I have an issue with this. But 65 million people in the United States of America would binge drink at least once or more in a month. And so you might go, Maybe you don't know you have an issue, but there's, there's, there's a clue right there. Uh, so when we do the numbers per thousand, we get 
For eating disorders, it's 87 individuals out of 1,000. For gambling, it's 29 out of 1,000. For alcoholism, it's 44. Or if you take the number, the little larger, it's 198. You put those together, 314 over 30% of people would have. And maybe, maybe, you, uh, maybe you guessed this correctly. Maybe you got all three out of three. And, and I'm not going to say maybe I've got all three out of three of these addictions. You don't need to raise your hand up. But sometimes people can double down on some addictions. One leads to the other, which leads to the other. But, um, but that's a lot of folks. Okay, let's go to another set. Let's just call these situational bondage. Just, it wasn't anything you did. You just wound up in that situation. If you're a Three Stooges friend, Curly would go, eh, victim of circumstance. Eh, just kind of, eh, just kind of happened to me. So the economic number is the number of individuals who are at or below the poverty level in the United States. Uh, the family uh, number is equated on the in, number of people who have experienced uh, physical or sexual abuse. So it's a pretty tight definition of family issues. It's, it's some high-end kind of issues. Or the number of adults in the United States who have anxiety issues. So there's two 40 million numbers. There's one 80 million number. See if you can figure out where the 80 goes and where the 40 millions go. And we'll give you the results of this. And we find that, yep, it's uh, economic and anxiety issues. There's 40 million of the 328 residents of the United States that have those issues and 80 million people have those family issues. When you wind up doing the math, it's 122 per thousand or 244 per thousand. You add that together, it's 488. So basically right at 50% of situational bondage and right about 30-ish percent of addiction bondage. Okay. We all have bondage issues. The issue of sin in living in this fallen world, it just, it's just, basically we did that to go, everybody's got stuff. This is why God is our deliverer. Can we just pronounce that one more time after, after the startling statistics that, that we walked through? Let's say it loudly, God is my deliverer. Here we go. God is my deliverer, amen. One more piece on the oppressor. So Pharaoh the chump and his officials change their minds and uh, they say, what have we done? They've let the people go. We've lost their service. So 600 charioteers, they've got, they're all teched out with chariot equipment and uh, fine riders and they go after them. Now, third dynamic that the oppressor will do, the oppressor will pursue regardless. So don't be surprised. When God is delivering us, God is delivering us because there is an oppressor. The oppressor will make things worse when we start to make things better, and the oppressor will continue to pursue regardless. God is not done with the delivering process yet, but God is going to deliver us through these kind of things because this is what goes on. So when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country. That was the shorter route. God took him along the desert road towards the Red Sea. The number one piece that we know about the deliverer is there's a pathway out. There is a pathway out. 
Can we say it one more time? God is my deliverer. Here we go. God is my deliverer. And it may be the wilderness road. It might not be the great clear four-lane highway with all the great quick trips and culvers along the way with all the rest stops and all the cool stuff. It might be take a backpack and get on the wilderness road. And, and, and you just, it is ordained by God. It is led by little deliverers named Moses and Miriam and Aaron, by the way. Little deliverers lead the way that God has prepared in advance. It's, it's built upon community. They do this together. They, they are going to seek the face and have this great relationship with God along the way. God, it's going to be a worshiping community. God is going to provide every day for them water for them. God is going to provide manna that comes down, quail that comes down every day, whatever they need. Every day, God is going to provide for them on this pathway. And they walk out with this appropriate confidence and this humility, and they know that they're, it leads out of bondage. It leads towards promised land. There's a promised land, but it also leads towards a measure of mystery. Take the path out. And then the Lord says to Moses, the chariots are coming. Why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israel, move, move it along, move it along. It's, it's good to pray. Sometimes we've got to move it along, get going. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. And so Moses does exactly what God says and God parts the sea and the Israelites go through on dry ground. This is, this is the bold crossing. God made you for bold crossings. God made you to get across things that look incredibly arduous and incredibly difficult. God has, has made you for this. God has made you, whatever the stupid stinking attitude is, God has made you to get rid of that. God has made you to get over that stumbling block. Friends, God has made you to get through the barrier that you are lost in a sinful, dark world and you need to become a child of God. God has parted the waters so that you can do that. You were made for bold crossings. In fact, Jesus replicates everything that the children of God do in Exodus. Jesus is gonna replicate these in his life in the New Testament. So he walks on the water on the Sea of Galilee and his, his people, his disciples, he sends them out on the storm and they ride out the storm and he calms the storm and Peter walks to him on the water and Peter takes his eyes off Jesus, Lord, save me and he rescues. Just, this is something that we are meant to do. We are meant to cross boldly the things that God says, I want you to move here and I want you to go there. I hesitate a little bit to share this, but it's, it's okay. I think we, we can do this. You can hang with us. Now, biblical scholars kind of throw some different numbers around of the, the people. First, let's start with this. Red Sea or Reed Sea. You could interpret it either way. One of them's got about 10 foot of water. The other's got about 100 foot of water. One of them's kind of up in northern Egypt, and it, it kind of makes sense as getting out of there that, oh, Moses would, could easily take them that way. It doesn't matter if God parted 100 feet of water or if God parted 10 feet of water. But sometimes some people have, it gives them a little bit of ease and gives them a little bit of hope to go, oh, well, I get the 10 foot of water thing. It's like, whatever, whatever. It is like, it, whether you've got a 100 foot of water issue or you've got a 10 foot of water issue, God can part those waters and God can eliminate the enemy with either one. It's all good. 
There's been some, some of you may know, well, the number of people that marched out of the Exodus, when we do some of the math from some of the biblical numbers, it looks like maybe nearly two million people. Oh my goodness, that's a lot of manna, that's a lot of quail, that's a lot of water, that's a ridiculous amount of people. And so it may be two million people, but there's a word uh, used for elah, that gets interpreted thousand. So when you count the fighting men, say from the tribe of Judah, 60,550, something like that. And, and on the front end, it's translated thousand. But there's other times that Elah has two other translations. So about seven times in the Old Testament, it gets translated as family, which might mean, oh, of the tribe of Judah, there's 60 families with 550 fighting men. Oh, okay. Or occasionally it gets translated as military unit, but it is, it, is a, it is a distinct counting number. Well, that would mean then that the fighting individuals numbered about 500, uh, sorry, about 5,500, and there were, uh, sorry, yes, 5,500, and the army of Egypt, the army of Syria, sometime around this time, these two titans fought, and each of them had, say, 20,000 individuals in the fight, and for Israel to have well over 5,000 kind of seems somewhat historically accurate. It doesn't matter if God led 20,000 Hebrews out of Egypt or God led 2 million Hebrews out of Egypt. God can get you out of wherever you need to go. But some of you just might think, well, I just have this, this small miracle kind of, God's got you covered. So whether it is this small attitudinal piece that God wants to get you out of. Say, for instance, that you, uh, you still, child of God, you still uh, fudge the truth because you can't stand Onan when you messed up. So you will dodge looking bad. You never go, oh, I blew it. I missed it. You'll God wants to get you through that. God wants to get you. I, I know it seems like a little thing, but God wants to get you through that, that you kind of tell these little lies, you manipulate things, and... Uh, you got to get through that. Or maybe there's a larger issue that is a real stumbling block. God wants to get you through that. Or maybe God wants to welcome you as his child, and you need to get rid of sin in regards to God forgiving that, and you being a follower of Jesus Christ. Say, God, forgive me. I want to follow you. I'm making a bold crossing today. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Sin is always equated with bondage. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery, Galatians 5.1. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord, Romans 6.23. Are you ready for God to do the work that only God can do? You know what God's Spirit's saying to you. You ready for a song of celebration? I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and rider, he is thrown into the sea. And now Moses and Miriam and Aaron start leading the people in a song. The waters have washed over the enemy. They are totally delivered. What has God delivered you from that you have a song of celebration about? The Lord is my strength and my defense. He is my salvation. Who needs salvation today? Don't miss the opportunity. God, forgive me. I'm your child. I'm going to follow you. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. 
It's a song of celebration. We remember what God has done. Can we again say, God is my deliverer? Let's do it. God is my deliverer. Amen to that. And don't you forget that God uses, delivers with a little d, that some of you are being called to some, maybe it's a counselor, maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's a coach, maybe it's a, a friendship relationship, maybe it's a pastor role, maybe whatever, maybe you're in the marketplace and maybe you do painting, maybe you do cosmetology, maybe you're a nurse, maybe you're in the medical field, but there's a sense of, oh, God's calling me to be, yes, God is calling you to be a deliverer. Uh, Steve, I'm gonna ask my friend Steve, he's gonna come and share and close us in prayer, but I, I wanna do a little theology piece with you before he does that. This is, this is good theology as we look at the people of God in the book of Exodus. When you, when they, when we are in Egypt, we're in bondage. We're in bondage and we're enslaved to sin. God makes a way where there seems to be no way and he parts the Red Sea and Jesus Christ goes to the cross and he dies for our sins and he is raised up again and we cross through and we're delivered from the oppression of sin and bondage. Remember the whole Passover lamb and all these things were instituted at that point in time and there is this sense that we get out of Egypt and we become the people of God and now we have a relationship with God and that is a bold crossing that everybody needs needs to make, that God is calling us to do that. And then when we're out of Egypt, there is this moment, and it could have been just a little while, but it wound up being a longer while for this group of people where there's this, in the wilderness, we begin to follow God. In the wilderness, we begin to follow God. And then there's another crossing that goes into promised land living. And this promised land living is on this side of eternity. And they cross the Jordan River. And this time, God didn't part the waters first. When the feet of the priest hit the water, then the waters parted. And they were saying, okay, God, I am all in. Kind of, you know how that goes in our spiritual lives where we kind of, we're following, but we're kind of stumbling, mumbling. That can happen. Some of us need to say, God, I'm all in. And I want to go into promised land living. Everything that I know about me, it belongs to you. And that's what you need to do. And it doesn't stop there. When we get into the promised land, we find there's all kinds of other battles and all kinds of other victories and all kinds of other issues that it's bold crossing after bold crossing after bold crossing. And God is constantly showing us the path. God is constantly asking us to make that bold crossing. And there's always songs of celebration and remembrance. And God is always friends using people to be little deliverers because God is our deliverer. Well, Steve Lindquist is one of our new members and he is someone that God has delivered as God has delivered us all. He's, and also, he is a deliverer with a little d that he currently works for Forgotten Man Ministries, incredible prison ministry in the state of Michigan and all through the Midwest. But for a huge number of years, he's been one of the lead directors at the Voice of the Martyrs. So Steve, why don't you come and take us into prayer and uh, tell us some of your story, my friend. Thanks. So a year ago, uh, Kathy and I were praying about whether we were going to move to West Michigan. Uh, we'd been out here to visit and got it open some doors and kind of felt like this was where we were supposed to be going. It made no sense whatsoever uh, because I'd been involved in ministry with persecuted church ministries for over a decade and a half, traveled around the world, met some amazing people, and to come do something so totally different just didn't seem to fit, uh, but we understood that clear, this is where God was bringing us. And so we were obedient, made the move, 
We're responsible, planned. Here's what we're going to do in the new setting. Uh, we unloaded the truck and moved the middle of February of 2020. And the plan didn't quite work out the way we thought. Um, we had lots of friend and, friends and family uh, calling us, wanting to check up on us. How are you doing? Are you doing okay? And the reality is, yeah, we're, we're doing great. And it's really because of a process that had gone through, that we had gone through um, 18 years ago when we finally surrendered to a call to go into vocational ministry. Um, we knew God was calling us that direction at least 20 years ago. Uh, I had grown up in the church. I had learned a lot. I'd been exposed to a lot. One of the things I learned that I'm not sure I was supposed to was I got really good at rationalizing and justifying stuff. Uh, and so as God was calling us to ministry, I had all kinds of reasons why now's not the right time, but we'll do it someday. Uh, I'd also gotten good about justifying and rationalizing some sinful behavior in my own life that I knew I couldn't go into ministry without dealing with, and I really didn't want to deal with it. Um, 18 years ago this month, we finally made that move. Um, and God put some people on our path that helped walk us through that. Uh, one of those people was a, was a college professor named Dr. David Eaton. Uh, Jim and I have talked about Dr. Eaton's impact on both our lives. And Dr. Eaton was my advisor. And I was working through the process of, of getting all the academics done to be an ordained minister in the Wesleyan Church. And I was sitting with Dr. Eaton and we were planning out the classes for the next semester. And Dr. Eden asked me about where I thought I was going in ministry. And I've talked to lots of people that had stuff and baggage going into ministry. My baggage had a big B. I, I knew, I understood their consequences and that what I would do in ministry would be limited because of that. And I shared that with Dr. Eden. And I will never from forget him, him leaning back in his chair across the desk and saying, so you think you're bigger than God. I didn't say that, okay? And I made sure he understood. I didn't say that or think that. And then he said, but you just told me you were capable of breaking something beyond God's ability to redeem it. And so we started a path. I thought I kind of knew where that was going. Uh, it went somewhere completely different. Um, and 18 years later, man, I've, I've had some great experiences. I've learned from some amazing people, literally all over the world. I've sat with our persecuted brothers and sisters on five continents. Um, and, and what I've learned is that this thing's really pretty simple. Um, that through the cross, Christ gives us forgiveness, but he doesn't want to leave us there, right? I think a lot of times we, we accept the forgiveness and then we sit in the rubble and regret our failures. And what I've learned is that God wants to redeem all of that stuff, that everything we go through, God has a purpose and how he will use it if we will let him. So, I, I don't know what you need deliverance from. I think all of us have stuff kind of continuously. But let me tell you that God is faithful regardless of where it is. 
to get us through that and that he has a purpose um, you know the passages that we've gone through the last few weeks in Exodus you know God went to the children of Israel and said I want to take you out of this place of suffering and bondage and hardship that's bad for you is going to be worse for your kids and even worse for your grandkids and I want to take you to a place where I can bless you and bless the entire world through you and I think God has that same message for us would you stand with me as we pray dear Heavenly Father we thank you for this privilege we've had to come together into your house uh, and Father we know that we've got brothers and sisters around the world that have never had this experience and Father as COVID's hit and, and some of our brothers and sisters even our own nation can't gather together we just ask that, uh, that you would be with us all uh, we thank you for the privilege we have we thank you for the technology uh, and the wisdom you've given people how to put that into practice so that if we can't get to be together physically uh, we can still connect in virtual worship father and father your word says that on the cross that not only did Christ give us forgiveness and offer us forgiveness but that through that same cross we can come boldly before your throne and father we do that right now and we would ask that you would work on our lives and that you would bring us redemption father that you would restore and redeem our past and our failures and that you would use us individually and as a body to be the kingdom and part of the body of Christ that you would have us to be that we would be the vessels for healing in our families and our community father in our nation we ask all these things in the precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ amen